It's the final week for the PGA Tour to figure out who's going to the Cup playoff, and the amateurs take center stage at Oakmont. So good to be with you here on Saturday morning. It's the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast, Honda Classic Live. I'm Ken Levicka, and we are jammed today, as always. The Wyndham Championship, the final chance to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoff. We are well into it, heading into the weekend now, but... All eyes on Oakmont, legendary Oakmont, and the U.S. Amateur, and that's where we're going to find our Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post, our golf insider, who's covering it for Global Golf Post this weekend. We'll talk to him live from Oakmont later on today here on Honda Classic Live. I am Ken Lavica, and let's just jump right into it. We didn't discuss it, didn't get a chance to cover it last week because it hadn't happened yet, but Nellie Corda, the 23-year-old, wins the gold medal uh, on the women's side at the Olympics just days after Xander Shoffley does it on the men's side. It's an American sweep. Corda, 23 years old, coming off of her first major win just a week before she started competing in Tokyo, and now it looks like she is on a clear path to number one in the world, and we'll discuss her rise, her meteoric rise with Sean Fairhome again later on here on Honda Classic Live. Uh, we are starting to get a better feel for what the Ryder Cup teams are going to be, who's going to make the cut on the American side, who's going to miss the cut. Golf Digest, a story earlier this week that maybe Patrick Reed is falling out of favor, even though he is in the top 12. He's not an automatic qualifier, but maybe he's not going to be included in the team at Whistling Straits, uh, so we'll have to see how that shapes out. The American side, a lot of intrigue still about who actually is going to be a captain's pick and make the U.S. team. Uh, and uh, as we move forward here, you've got the FedEx Cup playoffs, but you've also got the Ryder Cup here coming up at Whistling Straits. And... We're going to talk about the Florida Swing. Last week, if you recall, the PGA came out with its 2021-2022 schedule, and the Honda Classic is on the front end of the Florida Swing once again. And we're going to revisit our chat with Ken Kennerly, the executive director of the Honda Classic, just to make sure he can fill in some holes here, questions we might have on the schedule. What being the first stop on the Florida Swing means for the Honda Classic, back where many think it should be, and if that's going to to, uh, lead to an improvement in the field and uh, what can we expect here early on what's the process right now for the folks of the honda classic as they try to put together the 2022 edition so sean Fairholm, global golf post globalgolfpost.com ken kennerly executive director of the honda classic that's what's on tap today here on honda classic live i'm ken lavica and uh, this opening drive was brought to you by tire kingdom as always you've got to make sure you're taking care of your automobile it's it's one of the more important things on a day-to-day basis that you need to maintain. Entire Kingdom helps you do that, especially in this sweltering South Florida heat. And this weekend, with remnants of a tropical storm, we got lucky. We're not going to catch the full brunt of this thing, this Fred. But it's going to be slick. There's going to be a lot of chances for calamity to happen. you got to make sure the brakes are right. you got to make sure the tires are right. If you have any question about that, do it this morning. Get to Tire Kingdom. There are so many locations in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. You're really, you're within minutes of one if you're living in this area. All you have to do to uh, get your car set up, get an appointment, is simply log on to TireKingdom.com. Do it from your computer, do it from your phone, do it from your tablet, get yourself in there and let them take care of your car. That is Tire Kingdom, 
TireKingdom.com, and this has been your opening drive. When we return, Ken Kennerly joined us last week here on Honda Classic Live. He's the executive director of the Honda Classic. We're going to revisit that interview and talk about the Honda being back at the front end of the Florida Swing. I'm Ken Levicka. Joe Rigotti running things on this Saturday, and it's Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. The only golf radio show in Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast, and it is Honda Classic Live. Welcome back in here on this Saturday morning on ESPN 106.3. I'm Ken Levicka. We will talk with Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post, our golf insider, in a couple of moments. But I wanted to check in with the man who makes this show possible. He's the man who is in charge of uh, one of the premier tournaments on the PGA Tour and the only one in South Florida, the Honda Classic. And Ken Kennerly, Executive Director, joins us here on Honda Classic Live. And uh, Ken, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it. And we have a full PGA Tour schedule out now for 2021 uh, and 2022. And this time of year, when you see what comes out, I'm sure you're always curious. You know what the Florida Swing was going to be, but I'm sure you're always curious to see where everything lays out and uh, and uh, where the Honda Classic gets, uh, gets tossed into yeah. this thing. Yeah, you know, well, first of all, good morning, and thanks for having me on again, Kenny. You guys do such a great job and can't thank you enough for everything that you do for uh, for the Honda Classic and, of course, our great community. Um, you know, essentially, as you said, the schedule came out. I was actually in Memphis earlier this week, and and um, uh, the schedule was released on Tuesday. You know, we all had a pretty good idea as to what was going to come out, but i got to tell you, overall, I mean, I, I think it's a phenomenal schedule. I think it's one of the better ones the PGA Tour has put out in a long time. I think the addition of the Scottish Open yeah. as part of the PGA Tour, uh, which, of course, is part of the the uh, the new partnership between the European Tour and the PGA Tour, I think that's extraordinary. And, um, you know, it, it's going it, to it's gonna add just a, a great element to to the schedule, to the players, uh, obviously going over for the Open Championship, knowing that they'll be able to go over and play in a you know full-field event. When I say full-field, of course, half of it will be European Tour players and half of it will be PGA Tour players. But nonetheless, uh, that was a great addition. And, you know, to your point, let's start from the beginning. I mean, I know the schedule starts in the fall here, but, you know, as we lead into 2022, as you've, you know, you've uh, kindly reported, um, you know, the Honda Classics back to its original date, which is the kickoff swing of the Florida Swing, um, and the, uh, you know, Mexico is no longer WGC. That's going to move into late April as a regular season event. So I think from our perspective, coming off of Los Angeles, um, right into the Honda Classic, then Bay Hill, then the Players Championship is three great events right in a row. As we all know, and your, your, your listeners are aware and the golfers certainly are aware, the ability for these guys to get to the East Coast, get onto that Bermuda grass, all three courses have similar grasses, fairway and green. And, of course, you know, while they're gunning to win the Honda Classic, uh, I think ultimately for them, it's uh, them being the pros, you know, winning the Players' Championship is, is uh, you know, one of, their, one of their goals as well. So, you know, overall, great schedule, great for us, um, of course. And then, then you roll. I mean, great news about FedEx jumping into what is so appropriate as their own playoff title sponsorship event in memphis they're going to replace the northern trust tournament which of course comes up next week or in a couple weeks rather and um that that just makes all the sense in the world i mean they're the sponsor of the fedex cup of course the uh, you know players are gunning for 15 million dollars at the end of the year so for fedex 
to uh, essentially give up a World Golf Championship but pick up the title sponsorship of the first leg of the FedEx Cup and the FedEx Playoffs as the FedEx Championship, you know, makes a ton of sense. So, you know, overall, Kenny, um, you know, just just a great, great schedule. We're really looking forward to it. And, you know, Ken, you guys have reported on it for a while. But uh, just uh, very, very happy, and I'm proud of what Jay Monahan and the team have, uh, have put forth. And again, the Honda Classic, February 21st through the 27th. And as Ken Kennerly mentioned, it is back to its original spot as the kickoff of the Florida Swing. And you and I have had so many discussions over the years about the schedule and what it does to the field. And you make a great point. You can't just jump into Florida and uh, get one tournament under your belt and then go to the Players' Championship with that Bermuda grass and say, oh, I feel comfortable with everything. It really it's really key to have this tournament back on the front end of the Florida swing because it is so much different than uh, uh, Bay Hill. It is so much different than TPC Sawgrass. And uh, you need to get the wind under your belt at the PGA Championship. You need that Bermuda grass. You need to get the feel for all of that. When you're having discussions with the PGA and you're kind of checking in and getting a feel for what adjustments are going to be made to the schedule, how much do you have to explain that to them? How much do you lobby for a date change? Or was this a back-and-forth conversation where it was just sort of then uh, decided on, hey, we're going to push this back into February? Well, you know, we we can take as much credit, Ken, as we uh, uh, think we are entitled to take. But, you know, at the end of the day, for, for Jack Nicholas to be live on our 2021 tournament last Sunday, uh, or Sunday of this past tournament, and to publicly state that the Honda Classic needs to get a better date, they're yeah. the longest-running sponsor on the PGA Tour. Again, we could take all the credit in the world, but, you know, if we were sitting on the fence, Jack Nicholas' comment just knocked it right over the top <laughs> for us, and Jay Monahan and the commissioner, everybody was listening, and, you know, so I got I to gotta credit, uh, you know, Mr. Nicholas and, of course, Barbara Nicholas, chairman of our board, and, um, you know, it's just, and also I will say what was important to the PGA Tour, Ken, was getting the Florida Swing back intact. I mean, mm-hmm. the Florida Swing has been a staple on the tour for many, many years, and, of course, when the calendar changed, and we had one last week before the Masters. Something had to give. And, of course, Valspar in Tampa, great tournament at Innisbrook. That ended up in late April. So that, that created the disjointed Florida swing. So for us to get back into Honda, Bay Hill, Players' Championship, Valspar, four in a row in the great state of Florida before they go on to match play, Valero, and then, of course, Augusta National for the Masters. You know, I think that was the catalyst. Um but we, we could have been, you know, any other date as well. But for us to, to, uh, to get back into our rightful spot, which is where, as you recall, we had our best fields ever. Uh, while we thought coming out of L.A. would be a problem, these guys, the big guys, are all flying privately. They're home in bed in Florida, whether it's Rory or Ricky or Brooks or whatnot. You know, they're on their bed Sunday night coming in from California if they play out at Tiger's event. Um, so, you know, we're really, really uh, bullish about our field. I've spoken to a lot of players, you know, obviously since this past year's Honda Classic when we weren't official, but we knew what our date was going to be. Um, players are, are really excited about it. I think you'll see a tremendous uptick in our player field. I will also point out that while it might be a small change to a lot of people, I think it could have a positive impact on us. Phoenix, uh, the waste management in Phoenix, and Pebble Beach, AT&T, Pebble Beach, are switching dates for this year, primarily because Phoenix historically is always the weekend of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So the way the calendar falls this year, 
the tour schedule, instead of going Pebble Beach to L.A., then to Florida, it's going to go Pebble Beach, Phoenix, Phoenix, L.A., and then, of course, L.A. on to the Honda Classic. So that schedule per- potentially um, could elicit the names of a Dustin Johnson that always plays at Pebble, Jordan Spieth, who always plays at Pebble because he represents AT&T. So I think that little, that little quick sure. little change uh, could also help us, Ken, as we look forward to a 2022 tournament. Yeah, that's a good point. With uh, three weeks removed this year from the AT&T to the Honda Classic, Ken Kennerleek's the executive director of the Honda Classic, and he's hanging out with us here on Honda Classic Live. I'm Ken Levick, uh, and uh, it, it, it everything changed when Doral was moved to Mexico City, and uh, that was... You make the point that, hey, that travel, everything got disjointed. That was the word, and that's that's the best way to describe it. And it was so easy because you'd go to play at the Honda, then you go an hour south to Doral. Now it's you play at the Honda, and you go two and a half hours north to, to Bay Hill. That That makes all the difference in the world. And you've said that you've talked with some players already. How do you start to approach uh, this far out, at least the discussion, at least the topic with some of these players about, hey, what are you, what are you doing February 21st to the 27th? Where is your head at? What's your mindset? How yeah. do you approach that? Do you do that now? You know, it's, it's, look, it's very delicate. I think everyone has their own style. Uh, you know, Andrew George and I have a very, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of more soft spoken. We're not going to put any pressure on these yeah. guys. Not that it does any, anything anyway, as you know, Ken. You know, people used to say purse mattered. Purse doesn't matter as much anymore, maybe for the players and the majors, of course. But, you know, it's really the schedule. It's where they're comfortable. When we had Mexico before us, they're coming off, you know, a busy West Coast swing, then into a WGC in Mexico City, which, of course, the top 60 players pretty much are going to play, and then into Florida, all gunning for the Players' Championship. And you're not going to play five in a row. Uh, You're not going to play four in a row. You're certainly not going to play five in a row. So. You know, we see this as just a great opportunity, uh, you know, for us going forward. But, you know, again, our conversations with both players and their managers have been, hey, guys, look, I don't know if you, you, you saw the new schedule. Even before the schedule came out, we were letting the guys like Rory and Ricky and Brooks and, you know, even DJ and other players, we've, we've let them know of the schedule change. But, again, they're not focused on 2022 right now. They're focused on, you know, this week at the FedEx in Memphis, then, of course, the, the playoffs coming up. And, you know, they'll start to look at 22 as I think they get into the fall schedule. But, you know, bottom line is it's, it's that soft sell. It's, you know, hey, guys, you know, you know where we are. They all love PJ National. I mean, it's not an issue of whether you like the tournament or like coming to Palm, our great Palm Beach County and the city of Palm Beach Gardens. It's where do we fall on the schedule? Because, again, these guys cannot play every week, and they've got to pick and choose. And, you know, if ultimately the run in the first quarter is run up to the Masters and then, of course, the run up to the players three weeks before the Masters or four weeks before the Masters, you know, then, then everything else is kind of a crapshoot. So, you know, bottom line is we're in a good place. Um, I think we're in as good a place as we possibly could be, Ken. You know, perhaps the week before the players might be a better date for us. But the reality is with the Arnold Palmer Invitational, while Mr. Palmer is up in heaven, you know, the tour the tour has pretty much, you know, laid down the gauntlet that, you know, the Palmer tournament uh, at Bayhead will go before the players. So I don't think that's even an option for us. But I think overall, you know, we're we're in a great spot. And, you know, look, coming coming off of the 21 year, and, and I know you, you talk about it every week, and Sean's been great, and other people, Rick Caro, of course, on the show, we've had a phenomenal year of golf. I mean, not only yeah. has the PGA Tour 
endured this pandemic. I mean, I said this week to Andy Pazder, you know, again, congratulating Andy and the commissioner and everybody on the job they did. But, you know, when you look back and like you're a huge sports guy, I mean, I don't think there's a better organization in sport that has, um, you know, essentially rolled out a schedule through the pandemic and been as successful. People might argue the NBA, people might argue others, but, you know, the PGA Tour, if not number one, is certainly near the top. And, you know, let's let's look at the year. I mean, we've had, it's been phenomenal. I mean, Hideki wins the Masters. I saw Hideki this week. His birthday, by the way, is now during Honda Classic Cares oh, League. Nice. So when Hideki's always played the Honda, we've always had a birthday cake for him on the <laughs> tee. So I, I reminded him of our new date around his birthday. So he kind of gave me the smile, but we congratulated, I congratulated him. But then, look, Phil Mickelson runs the PGA. I mean, really? I yeah. mean, come on, pinch yourself a little bit. Right. I saw Phil out there, and he liked he liked PGA National last year. He he really liked the conditions of the course. He now has, as you know, that five year exemption. So we hope to have Phil Mickelson back. John Rom. John didn't play this week, interestingly enough, after testing positive yeah. for COVID, a second go around. But you know what a great win for him at the U.S. Open and. You know, then Colin Morikawa, we saw Colin, I saw Colin out there. And, you know, we're look, we're on his radar, no doubt. He's certainly the young superstar now in the game of golf. And what he did at the Open Championship at Royal St. George's was phenomenal. And then i got to tell you, I was out with the first tee kids of Memphis because we represent True Green, and we did a big True Green first tee day on Wednesday. So I had about 15 True Green um, first tee kids out there, and Xander Shoffley was finishing the nine holes of his, you know, they play nine holes now on the Pro-Am. Mm-hmm. And Xander was awesome. I mean, here he is, an Olympic gold medal winner. These kids were all over it. The guy was so nice. He, he actually, after he, you know, said thank you to his Pro-Am partners, we went inside the ropes, and he took pictures with the kids. Of course, you know, socially distancing and everything, but he signed some autographs. Kids had masks on you know, to make sure, you know, they behave and did the, you know, proper protocols. But he was phenomenal with these young kids. And I and I reminded these kids, I said, you're going to remember this for the rest of your life. You know, there are not many times in life that you meet a gold medal winner, let alone a week after right. he or she right. has won that gold medal. So Xander Shoffley, gold medal winner. So, I mean, we've had five phenomenal champions, you know, leading, leading up to, uh, you know, the FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, it's been just a phenomenal year and it's, you know, just 2022 is just going to be that much better. And you can tell I'm very optimistic. I'm very bullish on it. Um, but, you know, coming off a great year that we had at 5.1 million to charity can, yeah. you know, we're going to, uh, we're, we're really looking our chops, looking into 2022. Our corporate partners are behind us. We're just going to have, a, I think, a real phenomenal event. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we discuss uh, the changes in the schedule, but it hasn't changed uh, the whether the field is at the best it's ever been or the field is is good, but not at the standard you like to see it. The people come out, and it would have hit that 2 million fans through the turnstiles again if it was full capacity here in uh, 2021. And you mentioned the $5.1 million to charity through Honda Classic Care. So all of those things remain major strong points. There is a love of this tournament in this area. I do want to ask you, since you brought up Xander Shoffley, what did you think of Olympic golf? Because we went in and Rory McIlroy, the Jupiter resident, had said, oh, I'm just here for uh, representation of the game. It's really not something where I'm pining for a medal. And then after he sees the passion of Xander Shoffley and how proud he was of winning the gold, Rory says, you know what, being around this, 
I get it now. I understand representing this country and the pride that comes with it. It seemed like, though, there wasn't a ton of buzz uh, with this Olympic lineup going into Tokyo, that coming out of it, people and some of the players started to realize, hey, this is a pretty significant deal. Yeah, and, and thankfully, right? I mean, look, Justin Rose takes the gold down in uh, in Rio. Uh, you know, he got it right away. I think he opened up the eyes of other players. You know, Ricky Fowler's got a little Olympics logo tattoo on his arm. Um, you know, these guys are, I think, coming around. Um, you know, in their world, though, and you got to understand it, of course, we all understand it. It's, you know, your career is, is really... Uh, you know, valued or, you know, determined by the number of majors you win. I mean, Jack Nicholas at 18 plus two amateurs brings him to 20. Um, you know, so when guys are making the tough call between do I, do I focus on the Olympic Games or do I just stay focused on the majors, you know, I can understand it. But, look, this is every one every four years. The opportunity to go defend or defend, to play and represent your country has got to be extraordinary. And I thought – you know, for Xander, the emotion he had. I mean, again, I saw him this past week. Uh, you know, I asked him where his medal was. He says, Ken, I left it at home. I'm not going to bring it out. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to have it stolen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's and it pretty cool. And, and look, I mean, you know, um, another Honda Classic past champion in, uh, in Rory Sabatini. Yeah. He, he shoots a great round. So Rory and I were texting each other after he won the silver medal. Uh, you know, obviously extremely proud. I hope he can get into the top 25 on the FedEx Cup rankings so he'll be fully exempt next year because he's about 10 short right now. Uh, but, you know, just a great, great way. And, you know, I think there we've read a little bit. I think there's more buzz around the women uh, golfers uh, during the Olympic Games uh, for one uh, for for whatever reason. I don't know. But, you know, I think it's really pretty cool what's going on in women's golf, uh, not only at the professional level, but at the amateur level yes. as well. So, you know, overall, I think this sport is extremely healthy. Um, the corporate side of it is extremely healthy. The PGA Tour, you know, has announced some new title sponsors over the past few weeks. Um, you know, every event is full from a sponsorship standpoint. Every event seems to be doing fairly well. Um, and we're just really looking forward to the 41st running of the Honda Classic next uh, next February 21 to 27. Longest running title sponsor on tour by a wide margin at the Honda Classic. Uh, before uh, before we uh, we we make sure to uh, to wrap up here, I want to ask you: Are you going to Whistling Straits for the Ryder Cup? You know, I uh, I've reached out to the PGA of America. I'm trying to put a schedule together. Of course, there's nowhere to stay, so I might end up sleeping in my car. Um, but I, uh, I hope, I hope to get out there for a day or two. I mean, Whistling Straits is a special place awesome. with or without the Ryder Cup. And, uh, you know, I hope to get out there, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. Uh, the Ryder Cup coming up in just a few weeks. Ken Kennerly always on the move. He's been in Memphis, WGC, St. Jude this weekend. We'll have your leaderboard update later on here in the show. But, of course, we're all looking ahead already to February 21st through the 27th. The kickoff of the Florida Swing and the Honda Classic backward should be right on the front end of this run through the Sunshine State again February 21st. Through the 27th, keep monitoring thehondaclassic.com to find out more about uh, packages and potential sponsorship opportunities. They are always looking and putting together the best tournament on tour, in my humble opinion. Ken, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up when you get back to South Florida, okay? Well, you're the best, Todd. I really appreciate everything you guys do, and uh, keep it going. Well done. Ken Kennerly, Honda Classic Executive Director. We'll come back with Sean Farrell the Global Golf Post. We'll break down the WGC and the Olympics. Andrew Shoffley, your gold medalist. Honda Classic Live. And Mark.
Saturday morning, that means it's Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3. And when it's Honda Classic Live, that means that we talk with our golf insider, Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post. And he is a busy man this weekend because he is at the U.S. Amateur at Legendary Oakmont. And he joins us here on ESPN 106.3. Sean, how about that? You're uh, you're getting the big-time assignments. Uh, I, I, I know that I was listening back to a couple of weeks ago when uh, you and I talked when you were at uh, – the uh, the Walker Cup there at Seminole, and now you're out at Oakmont for the U.S. Amateur. Uh, you're a you're a regular trailblazer now, and it's got to be really cool. This is your first time at Oakmont, right? Yeah, you know it's a, it's a tough job. Someone's got to do it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing. You know, being at Oakmont for the first time, you kind of come out on this property. It's a huge, sprawling property. Um, they used to have over twelve thousand trees out on the property, and they, they took all of them away essentially. Uh, you could sit on the, on, on the back patio of Oakmont and see pretty much every single flag stick on the golf course. Uh, just a really, really cool property. The, the green complexes are unlike anything in the world. Uh, maybe the hardest golf course in the world, and it's been a, it's been a tremendous week uh, getting getting to cover it. So hard to uh, hard to ask for anything better than that. Uh, Sean has some of the best features that you're going to find of any publication in golf, and he's already posted uh, from Oakmont. So go to globalgolfpost.com, and he'll have several more entries throughout the weekend and into next week. Again, globalgolfpost.com, Sean Fairholm at Oakmont for the U.S. Amateur, and he's our golf insider here on Honda Classic Live. Before we talk about the amateur, uh, Oakmont also is going to be very prominently featured in uh, the, uh, the 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 major championship rotation as well. The USGA uh, awarding Oakmont uh, the 2028 U.S. Women's Open, the 2033 Walker Cup, 2034 U.S. Open, 2038 on the women's side, 2042 and 2049 U.S. Opens and the women's amateur in 2046. So Oakmont going to be a busy course, and it's just feels right it feels bigger when oakmont is involved absolutely i think the big takeaway here is the uh, the women getting several majors at oakmont and also marion as well um you know there are a lot of questions about marion back in 2013 when justin rose won they kind of pinched in the fairways they were getting a lot of irons off of tees uh had to grow the rough up pretty high a lot of people didn't really like how marion played back in 2013 i talked to john bodenhamer who runs the usga's championships and he said there's going to be maybe a little bit of a different Marion in the future. Uh, it's going to look a little different. So, uh, no, this is a, a really big step, especially for, uh, for the woman to, uh, to be able to get a couple of major championships on a golf course like this because that's a, a huge, uh, you know, boon for women's golf to be able to, uh, to, to, be able to showcase their talents on, on, a, on, a, on a stage that is, uh, you know, known for, uh, you know, the, the Palmer Nicholas playoff in 62 and Johnny Miller's. 63 in 1973, and uh, you know Dustin Johnson winning in 2016. All these amazing moments that have happened. Ernie Els in 1994. Now the women are going to be able to create some of those moments of their own, and that's, uh, that could only be good for the game. Uh, so uh, the U.S. Amateur, uh, we're going to eventually have a story unfold, and you're going to have a new amateur champion. But the story so far this weekend appears to be the weather that's rolled through. You guys have not been able to catch a break. Yeah, you know, on Monday it was uh, really, really warm. But temperatures around around 90, 90, 92 uh, degrees, and it was so firm. Only one player broke par the entire day. Uh, one player shot a one under 69. Uh, everybody else was was unable to uh, to break 
far. The scoring average was uh, around 76, which is six over. Really, really hard. And then the, the weather has come in uh, throughout the entire uh, week, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all, uh, all had weather delays, lengthy weather delays. And uh, it, it, was, it was pretty, pretty difficult uh, for, for uh, on Monday. The rain comes in, softens the greens. Uh, Oakmont is still Oakmont. It's very, very difficult. But, uh, you know, there are, there are more birdies and pars winning holes than, than uh, we, we thought there were going to be a lot more bogeys winning holes. And, and now it's uh, maybe a little bit easier than it would have been uh, if it hadn't rained. So the, the players are definitely thankful for that. Yeah, without question. What, what are you seeing out there uh, with, uh, with the amateurs right now uh, at, at Oakmont? What are you expecting here over the next few days? You know, I thought it was a surprise. Uh, Ricky Castillo, who's a, uh, a phenomenal player at the University of Florida, uh, he, he looked really good over his first couple of matches. Lost in the round of 16, so that was that was definitely a surprise. Uh, he went 4-0 at the Walker Cup at Seminole, and uh, also uh, was undefeated at the Palmer Cup, another very big team event for college players. So, uh, so you know, his presence in the event was definitely a big deal for the first couple of rounds. It's been a, there are a lot of kind of no-name guys, and it's it's, it's pretty much all Americans uh, here at, at this point. So. Uh, very interesting to kind of see, uh, you know, how sometimes match play is a little bit of a crapshoot once you get to once you get to this point. Some players who are ranked in the top 30, some players who are outside the top 200. Uh, some good un- underdog stories developing here, so uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens. One, one great story I love is uh, uh, the uh, there was a 12 for one playoff to uh, to get into the match play bracket. They started out with. 312 players at the beginning of the week, the, the top 64 advanced to match play. Uh, you know, they, they had 12 guys who were right on that tie for 64th spot. So all 12 of them went out, uh, three different foursomes. They all go out. Um, David Nijfall of, uh, of Northwestern ends up winning it. And then he goes out and beats the medalist in, in the first round, uh, Mark Getz, who is a, a player at West Virginia. Really, really cool stories like that always develop around the U.S. Amateur. Crazy playoffs and, and crazy upsets as well because it's just, it's just so volatile. Uh, you know, one seat uh, often loses. It's just a really you – just, you just don't know what to expect a lot of times. Based on all that you cover and all that you write about, I get the sense that the U.S. Amateur is arguably your favorite event to cover. Yeah, I would say the Walker Cup and, uh, and, and the U.S. Amateur are right there. You know, one thing I really like, uh, for anybody who has never been to a U.S. Amateur, you can just walk. There are no ropes. You can just walk right next to the players, basically. You, you get to hear their conversations. You get to, you know, see their shots up close. Um, you're walking with other people who are very interested in the match. You're usually walking right alongside the, the players' parents. Um, it, it really it, it takes the, the game to a completely different level and you know you look at the 2016 u.s open at, at oakmont you have grandstands up you have you know thirty thousand fans all around but you know this this u.s amateur is maybe a couple thousand people spread out over this massive property and you really get a, an appreciation for the golf course while also seeing you know world-class players play the golf course so i think for that reason it's just a very unique event they go to some amazing amazing venues and are going to go to some amazing venues. Uh, and so is the Walker Cup. The Walker Cup is going to St. Andrews uh, in 2023 and then Cypress Point a couple of years after that. So th- these tournaments, they go to some amazing, amazing venues. And uh, it's a pleasure to be able to see these venues. We know what that's the grandstands up in, in really uh, in just a very, very cool atmosphere. 
Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post. See all of his work, globalgolfpost.com. He's our golf insider here on Honda Classic Live. I'm Ken Levicka, the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast is this one. You were mentioning the women's game. Let's talk about the women's side. Nellie Corda wins gold in Tokyo a week after winning her first career major. Are we on the verge of seeing the next great in women's golf in Nellie Corda? And let me tell you, if there have been any, if there are any, if there's anyone out there who uh, has not been watching the LPGA because of the lack of American presence, uh, which is an excuse a lot of times. People saying that there are no American women out there who are really at the top of the game. That excuse is, is definitely no longer valid because we have uh, we have a really dominating presence right now in, in Nelly Corda, um, and, and also her, her sister is pretty good as well. Also, Jessica Corda, an Olympian. Um, they ha- they have uh, a great uh, tennis family. Their brother is a-, a pretty good tennis player, so it's a fantastic athletic family. But Nelly Corda, um, just a-, a young, dominating player. I think women's golf really needed this. Uh, you know, U.S. golf overall, I think they still only have maybe eight or nine players in the top 25 uh, of-, of the world rankings. But to have that player at the top of the world rankings is such a massive difference. Um, and she has no weaknesses. She really does everything well. She's not a player who is just bombing it and then kind of figuring out the rest. Uh, she really has uh, every single element of her game is world-class, and there's nothing really stopping her besides, you know, maybe motivation, besides maybe uh, motherhood on the on the LPGA is, is a big deterrent sometimes, but she's so young at this point. She still has really, you know, you could, you could see maybe 10 years maybe of really uh, be, her being in her prime. Uh, it is not out of the question that the LPGA, they, they play five majors a year. Uh, Nelly Corda could end, easily end up with six, seven, eight majors in their career. It would, it would put her among the, the greatest to ever play the game. Uh, it's very, very much possible. So I think everyone should be pay, paying attention to that storyline as it develops over the years. It really will be one of the best storylines in golf over the next few years. Yeah, she's only 23 years old, and she has had one heck of a year. And what a what a last couple of weeks where you have Nellie Corda uh, win her first major, then win gold. The week prior to Nellie Corda winning uh, her first major, Annika Sorenstam won the U.S. Senior Women's Open. This has been a great headline uh, pretty much last month for women's golf. That was so cool. Yeah, she has her two kids out there following her, you know, you know, her kids didn't get to see her in her prime, you know, that I think that's really cool to be able to, to be able to, for her to share that with her kids at this point, you know, it's been really, you know, 13 years since she retired really. And to have, to have that victory, I thought that was one of the, the good moments uh, of the year for sure. Sean Fairholm of global golf post, globalgolfpost.com, a name that I have mentioned prominently in top tens heading into weekends here on this show for really the last two months is Abraham answer. And finally he's able to pick up his first win and it comes in a WGC. He gets the victory in Memphis, a very deserved win. And I sort of feel like you could see this coming throughout the course of this season. He's just been playing consistent golf and he appears as if he's one of the good guy, young guys in the game right now. It was time. I mean, we, we talk about Hideki Matsuyama and how big that his master's victory was in Japan. Um, let me tell you something. They are crazy about Abraham Hitzer in Mexico. I, I went down to cover the PGA Tour event 
in Mexico, um, down, down in Cancun uh, a few years ago, went there uh, for, uh, in, in 2018 and 2019 and covered that event. Uh, he has more media attention around him uh, than, than just about any other athlete from that country. Uh, they really care deeply about golf, a lot more than you would expect. Uh, and for him to win, that's a huge thing for, for Mexican golf. Uh, they also have Carlos Ortiz, who won the Houston Open last, last year. Uh, they're, that country is looking really, really solid in terms of their development of golfers. They, they actually had a young amateur uh, who made the round of 16 at, at the U.S. Amateur this week. So really uh, something that w- would have been unheard of probably 10, 15 years ago. They're looking great in terms of their development program. And Abraham Answer, he's, he's the guy who's, who's really leading it all. He's, he's the guy who is the, uh, a world-class player at this point. He'll be on President's Cup uh, for, for years to come. And he's going to be a leader on those President's Cup, team, uh, President's Cup teams uh, moving forward, especially Quail Hollow next year. Uh, Wyndham Championship this weekend. I don't know how much you've been able to catch with it, but uh, with, with the Wyndham Championship, what are what are just some of the things that we should be looking for uh, through Sunday? Well, you know, the, the top 125 on the FedEx Cup point standings uh, advanced to the playoffs. This is the last event in order to get into that top 125. Uh, for some players, it, it doesn't matter as much. I think a guy like uh, Michael Thompson, uh, you know, he, he's won already, and so he already has a two-year exemption that comes with winning. Um, you know, Ricky Fowler, a lot has been talking about him trying to make the, the top 20, 125. That did not happen. Uh, however, he can use a career money list exemption to, to continue playing, so uh, that's, that's fortunate for him. But for a lot of guys, they do not have that exemption. They're, uh, you know, they're, they are right up against that number. Uh, a guy like Bo Hogue, uh, you know, the, some of these young players who have played really well, but they're uh, they're not, you know, quite cementing their status. They need to uh, be in the top 125, or else they're they're headed back to uh, the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, and they may not secure their PGA Tour card for uh, for next year. And uh, you know, the PGA Tour pays out about 10 times more than the, than the Corn Ferry Tour does overall in terms of their purses and how much the players are making. So. It is just so vital in order to make the PGA Tour and keep your card. For a lot of guys this week, that's really what's happening. It's, it's that story. Maybe it doesn't matter so much for the guys like Adam Scott, who you know they've accomplished so much in their career. They're going to keep their cards uh, no matter what because of other exemptions they have. But for some of these other guys who do not have a status, it is a huge, huge week, and it's uh, it's the last call. <laughs> last call. Wyndham Championship is always the last call. You got to get in, or else, uh, or else you're gonna. Yeah, having to play some really good golf and, and other and other tournaments just to you know find your status uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour or, or have conditional status on the PGA Tour really is a, a big deal for a lot of players. Speaking of status, let's discuss Whistling Straits, the Ryder Cup, jockeying for position for continues on the U.S. side. As it stands now, here are the top six who automatically qualify. Morikawa, DJ, DeChambeau, Kepka, Thomas, Shoffley coming off of his gold medal in Tokyo. Uh, there are going to be some tough decisions that have to be made. There is some buzz about a possible Patrick Reed snub on the Ryder Cup team. If you were to wage a guess, an educated guess uh, about a big name that might not be there in Wisconsin, that would surprise some people right now. Who comes to mind for you? Uh, Tony now, I think. Um, if you're filling up the rest of that team, I think you know, Spieth, uh, Harris, English, and Berger for me are are the locks. Um, I like Patrick Cantlay after that. Um, I, and I know that you know Steve Stricker has six 
captain's picks to, to deal with here. So there's, there's a lot of decisions to be made, whereas Europe only has uh, three captain's picks to, to choose from. But I think it's Tony Finau is kind of the big name that is not looking very good right now. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they are going to do, uh, you know, after they go with Steve Harris English. Because you mentioned Patrick Reed. In, on my team, he's not making it. But I have a feeling they are going to end up going with him just because of his track record in in this event and, and the and the amount of times that he has played well in, in team events. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting. Tony Finau has just not played very well recently, and uh, there's nothing that is keeping him on this team right now. He's just uh, been a very mediocre golfer for the past few months. Which I think if you would have told someone that back in February, they would have told. Told you you were nuts, you know. I mean, he was he was uh, finishing second at Riviera, and he was just a machine. Uh, it would have been uh, unfathomable to to think that he would not make this team earlier this year. But right now, he has to do something crazy, uh, or or at least show that he's uh, in good form over several weeks because he is uh, he has completely fallen out of uh, contention for this team, uh, at least as of now. It sort of seems like the European team, for the most part is locked in. There might be some late maneuvering, but it looks like pretty close top to bottom. Uh, we know what we're going to see at this point a couple of weeks out. Uh, it, it also feels like these are very even teams, the American side and the European side. I don't think there's an appreciable difference between the two. I think the Europeans, you know, uh, I'd be very surprised if they did not go with Sergio and, and Poulter. I think Poulter is kind of a shoe in at this point. Um, Sergio, maybe maybe a little bit less so, but I think they will go with it, with those two guys uh, in terms of their, the, their captain's picks. That 12th spot is maybe a little bit more uh, up up in the air. Uh, Victor Perez has played, you know, really well uh, for for large portions of the year. A lot of his points are, are from, you know, making the semifinals to the match play championship earlier this year. So I don't know how they're going to deal with that. But I would agree. I would agree with that assessment. I think they're pretty even. The U.S. team, I think, uh, you know, I thought they, they looked a little bit better on paper earlier this year than they do now, which uh, is kind of something that I, I think is probably bothering Steve Stricker a little bit. Uh, I know Xander just won and, and Colin Morikow just won. But in terms of their depth, maybe a little bit suspect uh, compared to where they were earlier this year. However, whistling straight, you know they're going to set that golf course up with short rough, uh, put flags in the middle of those greens. They're going to want a lot of birdies, the complete opposite from what uh, Europe did with uh, Le Golf National, where they had higher up and narrow fairways and cars were good and winning holes. Uh, you know the U.S. is going to set it up like that. So, uh, you know, maybe they're going to go with a guy like Jason Kokrak, a guy who hits the ball really far. It'll be interesting to see how they, how they, uh, how they go about composing that team, but I, I would still make the Americans slight favorites, but maybe not as big a favorites as they were earlier this year. But for the U.S., the, the ship has pretty much sailed on Phil going to Wisconsin, right? Uh, you know, yes. Uh, I thought it was crazy after he won. Uh, you know, there were some comments made by Stricker and some of the other members of the of, of the U.S. Ryder Cup staff saying that that win uh, really, you know, uh, they didn't say it cemented his place, but they really kind of suggested that that win went a long ways towards him, towards him making the team. Uh, there is no way he should be on this team under any circumstance. Uh, I, you know, it was a fantastic win at the PGA Championship, but you know, he is, you know, by, by the stats right now, he is not anywhere close to being on this on this team. Uh, it, it would be just an absolutely egregious pick to uh, to take him 
for this team. There's no other way to say it. Unless something wild happens where he's going to, uh, you know, play really well for a long stretch of time here near, near the fall. But uh, I just don't see that happening. They really should go with a guy like Jason Kokrak, uh, even Max Homa, somebody else before they go with Phil Nicholson. Uh, it, it, hopefully that does not happen uh, for, for the Americans. I love when uh, when Sean Fairholm has a ton of conviction. That was strong <laughs> with Phil Mickelson. Uh, final couple here for Sean Fairholm. Again, our golf insider, Global Golf Post. Read all of his work from the U.S. Amateur at GlobalGolfPost.com. Just uh, f- for the U.S. Amateur and uh, some of the stars, we're going to hear about that, will become household names. Uh, who are who are the, uh, the the guys here that that catch your eye that you think we're going to be talking about on this show in the in the coming years on a regular basis? Well, keep in mind the last name Cootie because there's two of them. <laughs> they, they both play for the University of Texas. Uh, one's named Pearson, one's named Parker. Their grandfather Charles Cootie won the Masters uh, back in the '60s. Uh, both of them are very very good players. Uh, they're not ready to turn pro just yet. Uh, but Pearson Cootie is a, uh, a former Western amateur winner. That's another really big amateur event. Uh, and, and Parker Cootie made the uh, round of 32 this week in match play. So those two guys for sure. Another guy to keep your mind on, he's got a funny last name, so you can't forget it, Michael Thor, Thor Bjornsson, uh, a freshman, uh, rising sophomore, I should say, at Stanford. Uh, this kid is the absolute real deal. I would be absolutely stunned if he does not become a PGA Tour player. Uh, he, he will be a PGA Tour player in my mind. Uh, just a, a fantastic skill set, uh, long off the tee, a great putter. Uh, reminds me a lot of Cameron Champ, but maybe a little bit more uh, well-rounded than Cameron Champ. Uh, can definitely be a PGA Tour winner. So those, those are a few guys to, uh, to keep, keep an eye on. Sean, awesome stuff. Appreciate it. Can't read, uh, wait to uh, read all of the uh, the coverage from the U.S. Amateur there at Oakmont at GlobalGolfPost.com. Again, don't miss any of Sean's work, GlobalGolfPost.com. Our golf insider, Sean Fairholm. Enjoy the rest of the weekend at Oakmont, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? All right. Thanks for having me. Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post. When we return, we'll go through the Wyndham Championship leaderboard. It's Honda Classic. All right, let's jump right into it here on Honda Classic Live. Before we say goodbye, uh, the Wyndham Championship on the PGA Tour. This is the final chance to qualify for the playoffs. And Russell Henley has had a massive opening two days. Six under yesterday, 14 under on the tournament. He is four shots clear of the lead at the Wyndham Championship. And again, Sedgefield Country Club is where the Wyndham Championship is housed. Rory Sabatini, fresh off of his uh, silver medal at the Olympics. He is just four shots off the lead, 10 under, along with Webb Simpson. Uh, and then Justin Rose comes in at 9 under par. Kevin Na at 8 under, along with Kevin Streelman. Matt Kuchar at 7 under par, so he's 7 shots off the lead, but that's good to be tied for 12th. Jonathan Vegas at 7 under par. A whole group at 7 under, including Kevin Kisner. Uh, and as we continue down here, this Wyndham Championship leaderboard, Harold Varner III sits 6 under par. Uh, and Sungjae Im, 6 under as well, along with Tommy Fleetwood. Camilo Vijegas at 5 under. The former Florida Gator, South African Brendan Grace at 5 under par. Will Zalatoris at 4 under. He's 10 shots off the lead, but able to comfortably uh, make the cut. Jason Duffner, 
four under par as well. Uh, and now we get into the realm of those that did not make the cut. And there are some uh, there are some names here that didn't make the cut. Really fought it hard at the Wyndham. Hideki Matsuyama, your Masters champion, he misses the weekend at the Wyndham Championship, as does former PGA champion and uh, Delray resident Gary Woodland. Uh, he misses the uh, the weekend by a shot. Jupiter resident Matthew Wolf has seemed to regret after uh, starting to turn it on a bit a couple of weeks ago. He only musters a one under opening two days. He's not able to get in the third round, and nor is Luke Donald. Uh, Ricky Fowler, yep, he is really battling it. He doesn't even come close to making the weekend. Ricky Fowler at three over at the Wyndham Championship. Certainly a Thursday and Friday to forget. Francesco Molinari, he really fought it, really struggled. He's going to have the uh, the weekend off as well. Uh, but Ricky Fowler, that's the name. I just don't know when he is able to get back any semblance of competence on the course. It has just been a flat-out nightmare 2021 for Ricky Fowler. That'll do it for us here on Honda Classic Live. And again, a reminder that uh, your leader at the Wyndham Championship is Russell Henley. We'll discuss the Wyndham Championship uh, next week when we're joined by Sean Farrell of Global Golf Post, our golf insider. We thank him for jumping on again this week. Want to thank Ken Kennerly, the executive director of the Honda Classic. I'm Ken Levicka. We'll continue our run-up to the Ryder Cup next week, Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, here on ESPN 106.3. Have a great weekend, everybody. Classic Live on ESPN.